Obedience-based discipleship is a term that our staff was exposed to after we went through a book together about making disciples. And it's this concept of obedience-based discipleship that would expect a group of people who have studied a certain subject or a topic or a scripture, and they actually spent time applying it and holding each other accountable around that idea. Obedience requires faith. It requires accountability. It requires courage. And this means that obedience to God is required even when we don't necessarily know how. So as we wrap up this series today that we've been going through over these past six weeks, we're going to talk about obeying even when we don't know how. And we see these examples all throughout Scripture, right? Like God regularly puts people in situations where he calls them to obedience, but they don't necessarily know how or even clearly fully understand what they're being asked to do because God called Noah to build a boat. It took 100 years to build this boat, and it had never rained before. And so he didn't necessarily know a lot of things about how this was going to work out. All he knew was God said to do this one thing, and he said, yes, Lord, and he started obeying and following the Lord. I, th I love this story, too, the story about Abram, right, the guy who was later known as Abraham. In Scripture, when God called Abram, he said to him, leave your country, your family, everything that you're familiar to, and I want you to go into a land in which I will show you. What does that even mean? Like, like I don't even know, like, wh where do I start, God? Like, where do you start with that? When God tells you to leave everything that's familiar, everything that's comfortable, and you don't even know where you're going, he just says, I'll show you. Okay. Like, it would be really nice, you know, if we could just pull it up on the GPS. If we could just say, hey, where are we going? It's going to take us this long to get there. Like, they didn't even know how long it would take. They didn't even know, man, am I adequately stocked? Do I have the right supplies? All he knew is that God said, go and leave everything that's comfortable, familiar, and I want you to just trust me. I'll show you. That's all Abram got when God called him. Jesus called Peter to step out of the boat and to come to him when there was a storm going on. I mean, it's interesting that Jesus called Peter to do something no one else had ever done before. It wasn't like Peter had went to water walking classes, you know, and had gotten really good at it. It's not like he had a chance to practice this. It's not even like he knew what it would feel like. Could you imagine, like, what, what did it even feel like to step out onto water and to be able to walk on water? Like, could you just imagine what that would have been like? But here's the other thing Jesus did. He not only called Peter to do something that no one had ever done before, but he called him to do it at like the worst possible time. I mean, if you're going to call me to step out and do something that no one's ever done before, could I at least have a practice run? Could I step out maybe when the water's calm? Because it takes just as much faith because it's still stepping out onto water, Jesus. But he had the additional challenge of a storm. He had the additional challenge of the waves. Jesus called him to do something at the worst possible time that no one else had ever done before. He didn't, he couldn't go read a book, you know. There was no, you know, Jerusalem best time seller on water walking for dummies or anything like that. And it's the worst time to do that. But yet he stepped out and he obeyed even when he really 
didn't fully understand. And here's what I want us to understand today, is that God doesn't always reveal the how to us. We're simply to trust that he's good and to obey. And that's the key, is that we have to trust that he is good. And that's where obedience is grounded. Obedience is rooted and grounded in trusting in the fact that God is good. And I know that Christian people, we have our little sayings, our bumper stickers, our t-shirts, and we say things like, God is good all the time and all the time. Mm, God is good, right? We say these things, and they're true. I don't want you to misunderstand. These things are true. But oftentimes we struggle with this concept of God being good all of the time because we think that good means favorable towards me. And that's how you and I define good. If we were to list out things that were good and things that were bad, all the things that would be in the good column would be things that benefited me. You know, I like things that are good that are going to help me along in life. Those are the things that go in the good column. But our good column and God's good column may look very, very different because God may call things good that you and I we wouldn't call very good, and we would actually put them in the bad list, and we would maybe even try to avoid them because they challenge us. They may cause us to have to give up things or for us to have to adjust our lives, for us to have to change our lifestyles, but yet God still says these things are good. Even difficulty, even times, man, when we feel like we're all alone, God can still take those things that you and I may not necessarily think of as good and use them for our good and for his glory. Let's go over to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Our staff just came back from a three-day retreat up in the middle of Wisconsin, out in the woods. And uh, it was a really amazing and incredible time. And we uh, talked about Romans a little bit. We talked about BCC and where God's leading us. We shared our testimonies about how God had moved in our lives, and we prayed for one another individually and prayed collectively a lot. We worshiped together. We received communion together. Uh, it was just a wonderful, beautiful time of God working in our leadership team for his glory. And man, uh, we talked about Romans chapter 5, talked about Romans chapter 8. Um, I just love the book of Romans, and I want us to go here today in Romans 6. Let's start reading in verse 6. Where scripture says this, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Because death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law 
but under grace. And Paul says this, what then? Are we to sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Paul uses this metaphor of slavery to help these people understand. He wants these Roman Christians that's made up of Jews and made up of Gentiles. He's wanting this group to understand where they should put their hope, their faith, and their trust. And he uses this metaphor as slavery to sin and to righteousness. And he tells them, he says, I'm speaking to you in human terms because I want you to understand this. I'm speaking to you in natural terms because I'm wanting you to get this. I'm using this slavery as a metaphor because these people would have had a very difficult time if they hadn't been people who were previously slaves hearing this message. They would have had a hard time with this idea of being a slave. So he's saying, listen, guys, I'm not saying that you're a slave in the sense of like how you're seeing it, but it's the same concept. It's the same idea. And he's using it as a metaphor, which is why he tells them I'm speaking to you in these natural terms. And he says, you're either going to be a slave to sin or you're going to be a slave to righteousness. This is kind of the idea where Bob Dylan got the song, right? You may serve the devil. You may serve the Lord. That's a terrible Bob Dylan impression. <clears throat> But you're going to have to serve somebody, right? I, he just sings like that. And he mumbles along to it. You know, he's great, whatever. But you're going to have to serve somebody, right? You're going to have to serve someone. And this is what he's saying here. You're going to obey one of these things that in your life are, are trying to influence you. And it's either going to be the Spirit of God or it's going to be your flesh and sin. And it's either way. You are going to serve one of these things. You cannot go through life and just serve no one. You're going to serve somebody. And this is the concept he's wanting them to understand. And so the great news is what Paul is saying, that sin is not our master anymore. We're no longer obligated to sin. Now, it doesn't mean that we may not fail and we may not ever sin again. No, we do. We do fail. We do sin. But it doesn't have to be that way. We're no longer obligated to it. It's the same thing that I think when we see people who are lost, people who don't know Jesus, people who have not come into a relationship with Christ, when they act and behave a certain way, 
we should not be surprised because they're acting like people who do not have their hope and their faith placed in Jesus Christ. They're behaving in a way where they are still obligated and slave to selfishness, to idolatry, to uh, the, the, the sinful pleasures and desires of this world and of this age. So when people lean into that, it's not just about you know, people behaving a certain way. This isn't just a morality thing. No, this is, there's, there's an obligation there. There's this thing where it's normalized. And so we shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know Jesus act like people who don't know Jesus. This will help us a great deal. If you go back and you listen to the message from last week, this will help us a great deal in the way that we interact with and treat unbelievers and the way that we look at how Jesus treated unbelievers. Not that we go, oh my goodness, as you know, this person did this terrible thing. Do you know they think this way? Do you know they believe this? Do you know they value this? Do you know they, 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 they are in support of this or that? Don't be surprised. If you just take away that element of surprise, it'll help you a lot to interact with people who don't know Jesus because it will help expand the borders of your heart to love them more right where they're at because guess what? Those of us who do know Jesus and love Jesus, those of us who have been transformed by the power of God who now have his spirit in us, we were once that way. Let us never forget that we were once, as scripture says, enemies of God. Let us not forget our need for grace. Let us not forget our need for Jesus. And let us not forget that if it weren't for Jesus, that we would be lost and hopeless and slaves to sin, just as those who are slaves to sin. This helps us to treat people better. This helps us to see people not as us being better, not as, remember last week I said, not as seeing people as good people and bad people, but seeing lost people and saved people, those who know Jesus and who have experienced the power of his love and those who have not. And we want to be instruments of his love. Amen, church? And we are not obligated to sin. But now, if you are filled with the Spirit, if you are a follower of Jesus who has been transformed, if you are a person who now your life is hid in Christ, you do have an obligation. Your obligation is to obey Jesus, to follow the word of the Lord. Amen? You have an obligation. And I don't want us to minimize that thing as Christians and just think, oh, I've got Jesus, I've got my ticket punched, I'm going to heaven, I'm ready to go, and we just live our lives however we want to from this point on. No, the Apostle Paul makes a very clear distinction. You're not obligated to live this way anymore. So he said the fruit that you used to produce was fruit that ultimately the end of that is going to be death because the wages of sin is death. But he said, you're not obligated to that anymore. So when we get swayed into that, when we get sucked into that, when we get tempted into that, when we stumble into that, he's basically saying, why are you allowing yourselves to stumble into this? This is outside of who you are in Christ. Because your identity now is one that should obey Christ because you're now his. You now belong to him. And now my natural reaction should change. Because before Christ, my natural reaction would be to react to a situation in the way that someone that didn't know Jesus would. Because I didn't know him. And, and so if, if I looked at someone and I wanted to see them uh, get uh, experience pain because they made me experience pain, that's normal. Forgiveness, grace, and mercy wasn't normal in my life. Me wanting that person to, to fail. Me, me wanting to gossip about that person, slander them. Me wanting to uh, celebrate 
even when perhaps maybe they get fired from the job or maybe when somebody uh, uh, exposes something about that person that somehow proves that we're right or that we see someone struggle in an area of their life and we can almost in an evil way celebrate the fact that, ha, 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 see, I knew they would get what was coming to them. That's the way someone that doesn't know Jesus would behave in that situation. That's how they would react. And so we as Christ followers, we are called to obey and live by a different standard. Amen? And so our, 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 our idea of grace and mercy should be different. Our tolerance should be different. Our love should be different. The way we think towards those, the way we harbor up things in our heart, man, it should be different. We should take those things to Jesus because he forgave us and we remember that. And so our behavior is different and I am obligated to obey him in that way. It is an obligation. This is what Paul is saying. You're, you're not to go and live the way you did before. There's some to be something different because now you're in Christ and you are now obligated to follow and obey. So in simple terms, this is what it means. It means when we understand a command from God, when we understand something in Scripture, we are to do it. And you're like, come on, Pastor. I got up and got dressed to come hear you say that and came to church today. <laughs> some of you may be watching online. I'm sitting in my pajamas drinking my coffee and eating some Eggos and my bowl of Fruit Loops to hear you say, obey the Bible today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are. Because when we understand something... So many times we get to these places of understanding and illumination and, and, and inspiration and revelation. And we allow that experience of illumination, revelation, excitement, inspiration, challenge, whatever it may be. We allow that experience to just simply be that experience. And we never take a step differently than we took before. Because when we arrive at the crossroads of decision where now we have to live or do something differently and adjust, we just keep going back to the same old things we used to. So yes, absolutely. When we hear the word of God, we are to be doers of it. And here's what I have said. God gave me this little easy thing to remember that I've shared and taught for years. And it's these three simple things. Understand, apply, and share. I want you to remember these. If you're a note taker, write these down. Understand, apply, and share. Now, in Proverbs 9 and 10, the scripture says, and multiple other places in Proverbs as well, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. All right? So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And this concept of fearing the Lord in layman's terms, really means to really take God seriously. When he says something like, I'm taking this as seriously as I possibly could. I am walking in the fear of the Lord. And scripture says that to take God seriously is the foundation. It's the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. So it's one thing to have uh, knowledge and to learn. You can be book smart all day long and you can know all types of scriptures that you can throw in an argument. You can know all types of great little phrases and quips and you can have all of this great knowledge, but it's not wisdom until you have really applied it in your life. So remember, the fear of the Lord, taking God seriously, is the foundation or the beginning of correctly applying the things that God says. So I cannot begin to walk in wisdom until I walk in the fear of the Lord. 
I cannot begin to correctly apply the things in the scripture until I take God seriously. And so we have to evaluate in our own heart, am I really taking God seriously? Because if I'm not taking God seriously, then there's no way that I'm going to be able to actually apply the things I heard. I'm just going to be a hearer, and it's going to go in one ear and out the other. Because you could be hearing a thousand sermons. You could read the Bible cover to cover hundreds of times. You could go to conferences. You could go to all sorts of great inspirational events, hoping that something happens to you that changes your life, that forces you to change. But God's waiting on you to begin at that place of taking him seriously. That's the foundation of this whole thing. And so many times we only take God serious in moments of our lives. And some of those moments are desperation moments. Some of those moments are, man, I don't have any other options, or I'm really afraid. I don't know if you've seen this movie or not, but I don't know. It's probably like 20 years old or something, maybe older than that. The Brendan Fraser movie, The Mummy, you guys remember? He had a little sidekick in the movie, and I don't remember the sidekick's name, but he was a little rascally guy, and um, when all of a sudden this mummy comes towards this guy, he gets scared, and he starts pulling out all of these different charms out of his uh, out of his bag. I think he has a, maybe a necklace or something. Maybe he was wearing, I don't remember. But he like grabs like, you know, the Star of David. Then he, and he starts praying in, in, in uh, Hebrew. Then he starts, you know, praying the rosary. Then he pulls out some other religious symbol and starts, he's just trying whatever he can because he's afraid. And so many people, that's the only time they approach God. And they're like, oh God, I, I'm so afraid. I, I need you to rescue me out of this situation or that situation. I think my spouse is going to leave me. I think I'm going to be fired. I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent or I, I'm going to get evicted. And we're so scared or I got a bad diagnosis. And we run to God and we're just trying all of these things. But we haven't really had a relationship with him because we haven't truly walked in the fear of the Lord where we've taken him seriously along the way. But we've heard the word, we've heard it, 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 we've heard it. But for us to move through understanding, applying, and sharing, I have to first start with the fear of the Lord, the beginning of wisdom, so that I can make that applicable in my life. Because once I understand it, once I spend time understanding the scriptures, then I can know how to correctly apply it after I've taken his word seriously. And then when I correctly apply it, now all of a sudden, it is, I'm growing in wisdom. And as I'm growing in wisdom, it now puts me in a position to be able to confidently share it with other people. Because now I have the knowledge plus the experience plus some highs and some lows, some ups and downs and some things God's done in my life. And I've seen his faithfulness. And so now I'm at a point to where I can confidently share that word of God with other people because I've understood applied and shared but it all started with the fear of the lord that's the beginning of wisdom and it means to take god seriously and we have to understand this because if we're true jesus followers we should long to obey there's nothing wrong with seeking out knowledge for knowledge sake to go oh that's an interesting fact or that's an interesting thing i had never heard before and that's what a lot of people are looking at, especially if they think that they know more than you and, um, you know, they're, they're hearing you share the word or maybe they're in a church somewhere. They're looking for the pastor to almost impress them or they're looking for the speaker to impress them. And people will sit with their arms folded, we'll see what you got today, you know, young fella, you know, or we'll see what you got today, you know, uh, you know, whatever. People may have that attitude towards you when you're sharing the word of God with people. And I've experienced that throughout Many, much of, 
uh, my ministry, and I've seen the same thing. And, and I've been on the opposite end of that, too, where, man, I, you start hearing something familiar, and you almost kind of shut down a little bit. And it's weird, and it shouldn't be that way, right? Now, someone says, I'm going to preach on John 3.16 today. You're like, oh, boy, I already know this, you know. I watch football. I know John 3.16, you know. So. And, and, and people think, you know, I know this, and they think I've heard this before. Or, you know, the creation story. Oh, I know this. I've heard this before. Or, oh, Jesus died on the cross. Oh, I know this. And the temptation is to turn it off because we think we know it. And we're like, I want to hear something I didn't know. Like, show me some weird story in, like, Second Kings with some, you know, obscure character that's name is hard to pronounce. And let's talk about him and that, you know, half of a sentence that we have about his life for an hour. You know, and, and, and people love that kind of stuff because they're like, ooh, you know. And it, and it gives us information maybe that we didn't have before, and it makes us feel. But listen, it, it doesn't matter what you may hear. What really matters is what you're, are you understanding and what are you applying in your life. How are you obeying? Because we're not seeking God just to know more about him for the sake of increasing our knowledge. We're seeking God to know him more so it can impact our life in the way that we worship him, the way we live for him, and the way we treat others differently because of it. Amen? That's what we're doing here. And so if we are not coming to church or opening the scripture on our own or approaching a book or a certain subject or even being in a small group or a hangout, if you're not doing those things with the intent of applying and growing, then what are you doing? Because you're not living out obedience-based discipleship, and you're going to obey somebody. You're going to serve somebody. So why are you not listening with the intent to apply? So I want to encourage us to listen with the intent to apply, and here's our big idea for today. God moves, inspires, and speaks in order that we obey him. That's our big idea for today. I want you to get that. God moves, he inspires, and he speaks in order or so that we obey him. People are like, oh, I want God to speak. Oh, I want God to speak. He has spoken to us. We have 66 books of God speaking to us and showing us who he is. If you go to seek God and you're looking for God, just sometimes we don't like what he says. And that's the hard part because we're like, God, I'll obey you when it's convenient and when it's comfortable. But folks, can I tell you that oftentimes obedience is very uncomfortable because that part of us that we still are hanging on to, that we need to let go of that old way of thinking, that old manner of living, we still hold on to that in bits and pieces from time to time. And we have to let go of that because that part goes, man, I don't want to be uncomfortable because that means I'm going to have to change some things in my life. That means I'm going to have to reorganize my schedule, my priorities. That means I'm going to have to do some things differently. And can I tell you that when we approach God in humility to really know his heart, man, we should want that change. We should desire that change. But everyone says they want things until sometimes they actually get those things, right? Everyone wants leadership until someone starts leading. Everyone wants change until someone starts changing. Oh, that's not the, that's not the change I meant. I meant another kind of change. I meant the change that was going to be easy, right? And we're a, a generation of people that's grown up watching infomercials with three easy payments of 1995. Oh, wait, we'll make the third payment for you if you act in the next 10 minutes, right? 
And we think that if we just buy a product or buy a supplement or a pill or something that we've seen advertised and marketed to us, that, man, our life is going to instantly change. Our desires are going to instantly change. It takes more than just buying a gym membership to get healthy, right? How many of you figured that one out, right? Buying the gym membership's a part of it. But yet there's this whole application piece. You were inspired, but now you have to apply. <laughs> and once you go and you actually apply the effort, and you're like, well, this wasn't as fun as signing up. They were so nice, and I liked the tour. The equipment looked nice. The staff was nice. <clears throat> I really liked how I could fill up my water bottle over there. <clears throat> I bought the T-shirts for it. I bought the protein bars and the protein powders. Man, and now that I'm actually doing it, oh, this is hard. And this protein stuff tastes terrible, doesn't it? <laughs> it's awful. Golly, so terrible. Oh, man. If you, I will tell you what will help uh, protein powder that's too bitter, though. If you have whey isolate, uh, blend up some Hershey bars in there. It's good. <laughs> The more you blend up in there, the better it'll be, I promise. Um, this is for entertainment purposes only. I'm not a fitness instructor. So anyways. But when we hear from God, man, it all should lead to obedience. And the obedience isn't going to be the kind of obedience probably that you want. Because you may even be feeling inspired or challenged in this sermon today. And you may be going... I want to obey God. I'm going to go obey God. Man, you may have even written it down and underlined it. I'm, I'm going to work on really, when I read something in Scripture or hear something or come to a point of inspiration, I'm going to really obey, man. I'm really going to trust Him. And that's great. I'm glad you wrote it down. I'm glad you underlined it. But can I tell you, friend, that when you get to that place where you actually have to step into that obedience, it's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. Change is not easy. Us letting go of the past is not easy. It's great, man, when you hear a message about forgiveness, repentance, whatever. Oh, I'm going to go do that because I know that person that I need to talk to or I know that person that I need to go ask forgiveness or, or that I need to extend grace and mercy to until you make the phone call or set up the coffee appointment. It, it, it all sounds nice in theory. It, it even sounds nice in theory, man. I'm going to get in the Word more. I'm going to read the Bible more. You buy a new Bible, you get a new set of colored pencils, you know. Uh, you, you buy a new journal, all that stuff. But then day one, you've got a headache, right? Or your stomach hurts. Or, or you get busy doing something else or you slept in. Or you didn't have a good night's sleep the night before. Isn't it that the way it always goes? You see, obedience is not easy. Obedience requires me to push past myself. And requires me to push past comfort. Requires me to push past the routine that I've been in. Because God is wanting to do something new in me, and I have to embrace that and trust that. And I have to obey him regardless of how I feel, regardless of what my friends may say, regardless of what it may cost me, because it will be uncomfortable. It's not going to be easy. And you can try to toe this line of, 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 of balancing what you want and what God wants, but I can tell you right now, God always wins, and you're going to lose if you try to do it that way. Because God wants all of us. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm, amen? He's not into lukewarm Christianity. Actually, he said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, not lukewarm. Because he doesn't want us to try to find that healthy middle ground to where we can still do all the stuff we want to do that we know God's calling us away from, 
but at the same time still please God. God's not into that. He wants our full allegiance, our obedience. He wants our heart. All of this leads to obedience. Every sermon, every book, every conference, every prayer session, every worship encounter, it all leads to a place where we will surrender and where we will embrace obedience as his disciples. There are churches that we visited when I went to India a few months ago. And while we were in India, there were some of these churches that had adopted this model of obedience-based discipleship that some of the books that our staff has been reading has been based around. And in these house churches and in some of these areas where the gospel is being spread like wildfire, the, the, the value of those house churches is to operate in an obedience-based discipleship model. And what that means for them is that they open up the scripture together as a church and they read it and they don't move on from that scripture until they believe that they as a group have applied it. They stay there, literally studying the same text, preaching from, having groups around the same text, exploring, uh, picking it all apart, looking at everything around that text and then applying it and holding one another accountable to it until they believe that they as a group understand it and have applied it corporately. Because they, they look at the Bible not as a place to simply find inspiration. They look at the Bible as God's word to them to obey. Man, when I hear stories like that and I see those people in India do that, and we got to sit with them in various services. And one of the wildest things that happened that, that really impacted me, it, it was really short. Um, I preached a sermon, and I had an interpreter, of course. And he's preaching, you know, I'm preaching, he's preaching, I'm preaching, he's preaching. And then at the end, I just did the th same thing that, you know, I always do when I preach. I said, let's pray. And you would think, when I just said, let's pray, what would you all do if I said that? You would all bow your heads. Maybe some of you would pr quietly pray. Oh, no, 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 no. When I said, let's pray, they all went, okay. And they all, as loud as they could, began to pray from their heart. And they were praying way harder, talking to God than I was. And somehow God made sense of all of that that was going on that I couldn't understand because it wasn't my language. And it was so loud, all the voices blended together as a big, loud roar. And they were all praying, hands lifted, praying to God. And I'm like, okay, me too. And I'm like, Jesus. I mean, it challenged me because I was going to give a closing prayer. God, thank you for this time here in India. Just love my brothers and sisters here in India. And it was like, I said, let's pray. And it's like, boom. Because they're obedience-based. And they said, okay, the pastor's asked us to pray. We are going to pray, not listen to him pray. Whoa. I tell you, it's, it, it's just interesting because when we approach Scripture to understand, apply, and share, it changes the way that we approach Scripture. When you come and gather as the body of Christ on Sunday morning, whether you're in the room or online, or it changes your approach. It changes why you show up. I want to come here to worship and honor God and learn how I can obey him more and love him through that obedience. Not to where it's like this legalistic heavy weight because Jesus said that my yoke is easy, my burden's light. So we're not trying to load you up with a bunch of weights. That's not the gospel. But yet at the same time, we are also sharing with you what God said and how we are to apply it in our lives. 
Amen? And when we approach it that way, not just to learn more about God, but to how we can actually obey and serve him, that is that Romans 12 and 1 worship, that sacrificial worship that we're called to live out. For BCC to be bigger than Sunday, bigger than Bettendorf, and beyond our lifetime with our impact, we must seek God in order to obey him more. And so I want us to think about this question and answer from the Westminster Catechism. The very first question in the short catechism is this. What is the chief end of man? And some of you that have been through that, you know the answer. But it truly is the chief end of man. The answer is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. That is the chief end of man. So why are we here? Like, what is the purpose, the chief end of man? It is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So that means everything that my life produces, all the fruit needs to be evidence of the spirit of God in me, and that gives glory to God, not to me. It points hearts and lives to God. The way I treat people, the way I respond to people, the way I act and react to situations, it truly is the glory of God that's working in my heart and showing the fruit, the evidence of the Spirit on the inside of me. And that comes through obedience, which comes from a place of trust and love that God is good all of the time. God, you are good, and I want to obey you because I know you're good. So here's what I want to ask you today. What have you been inspired to do for God today? What thought has come to your mind throughout these past six weeks in this series? Surely, as we've been talking about getting off of the sidelines and getting back into the game, God has stirred some things in you, revealed some things to your heart and to your mind. I want to wrap this series up by asking you, what are you going to do about it? Because the end game is obedience. And it takes submission. It takes trust. But God, I don't know how it's all going to work out. Yeah, neither did Abram. <laughs> neither did Peter <laughs> when he stepped out of the boat. Neither did Noah. All he knew is that God was good. And I'm stepping out into something that I have no idea where I'm going. I have no idea how it's going to work out. But all I know is that God is good. <clears throat> so what is that thing that you've been challenged or inspired to do throughout this series that you've been sitting on, waiting on? Well, I don't know how it's all going to work out. That's okay. He's good. Trust him. Step out in obedience with whatever he's showing you in his word whatever he's illuminating to your heart. So what has he been dealing with you about? How have you been challenged through the word of God throughout this series to get off of the sidelines? That's the spirit of God convicting, nudging, prompting, leading you to obedience. You may not know how everything's going to work out, but let me tell you something. That is okay. You may not know every step, but here's how this works. Whatever the first step or the last step you know that God has showed you through his word, 
or something that he's led you to do to obey in your heart. Take that step and stay there and keep doing that thing until you see the next step. Because one step sometimes illuminates another step. God doesn't always show us the very end and all the steps in between because he knows us. (laughs) Because he knows that if we saw that, you know, we would just try to go around it because he's seen us build Ikea furniture. He knows that if we see the picture of what it's supposed to look like, we're going to ignore the steps. And we're going to have leftover parts and go, what's this for? And we don't think it's important until that thing falls apart. God knows us. He knows our heart. So he doesn't show us every single thing along the way, but he shows us a step. What is that step that you feel God's putting in your heart? What's that step you've seen in the word? What's that thing that he's calling you? Maybe some of you here today, that step is actually giving him your trust and stop running from him. Maybe that step for you is finally submitting your life to Jesus Christ. Where you're like, man, pastor, I've been coming to this church. I've been hearing you. But I don't know. I've been wounded. I've been disappointed. I'm just not interested. Maybe God's doing something in you, and today you know the right thing to do. I want to give you my heart, Jesus. What do I need to do? You need to believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want you to be the leader of my life. I want to put my faith and my trust in you. And I want to learn how to obey you and follow you and give you glory with my life. Help me to do that. Pray a prayer like that. Talk to God. Give him your heart. Our prayer team is going to be up here at the end of service. They would love to pray with you as well and be able to equip you. If you're online, we would be able to love to put some things in your hand or send you some some things that will help you grow in your faith journey and have some people walk alongside you because you shouldn't go through this alone. We weren't meant to do this alone. Maybe you're somebody who's been far away from God. Maybe you haven't been taking your faith seriously. And you realize, wow, that's actually the beginning of wisdom taking God seriously and maybe today's the day you start taking God seriously what do I need to do pastor you need to repent God forgive me for not taking you seriously and repentance is more than just saying I'm sorry the word repent actually means to turn and so you're turning away from not taking him seriously and turning to taking him seriously from this day on Lord forgive me for that I repent of that I want to change my attitude change my mindset God may be calling you to step out and talk to that coworker or your spouse or a friend or a neighbor it's time to obey that Lord give those people the courage to be able to do that uh, there, there's some things you got to overcome right maybe God's calling you to start something maybe he's putting it on your heart to do a group or or a hangout or something where you can start something within the context of BCC to reach groups of people or I I don't know if I'm qualified stop sitting on the sidelines and take that step and know your church family is going to be around you to help equip you to help empower you to be able to do what God's called you to do let's say yes to greater eternal things amen church I didn't know how it was going to work out when God put on my heart to start reaching the next generation. Um, But he put it on my heart. And 
all I knew was that there were a few opportunities around me and I had no idea if they would even work. I didn't know if I opened up my home to young adults if they would even want to come over because maybe they'd be totally creeped out by that. Go over the pastor's house, you know, like, I don't know. But they do, and they, they've, they've come. And sometimes there's just a few of them, and sometimes there's a bunch of them. But I'm trying to invest in next generation and just be there for them, build relationship with them, love on them, let them know I'm for them, and try to find ways to encourage them and listen to them, hear what God's doing in their life and in their heart, and try to encourage them and inspire them to keep chasing after Jesus. And then there's an opportunity over at Hayes Elementary. They didn't have a quest for christ program and cheryl winger the director wanted a program over there and mark and i a buddy of mine here at church we put it on our heart to god put it on our heart to say yes to that and god's been using i, I man i'm not saying those things to boast i'm saying those things i i didn't go seeking after those things all i know is that god put something on my heart to do for him and i said okay god what do you want me to do and i didn't even i didn't know how it was going to work I didn't know if it was going to work. I'm like, I'm not like a, a kid guy, you know, like that's not my thing. Um, I, I'm not the guy that like, you know, little kids, you know, want to be around. And sometimes, I, I mean, I have kids of my own, but my kids are fine, but not your kids. I mean, I, <clears throat> I'm kidding. Your kids are great. Some of them. Uh, <clears throat> but I didn't know how I was going to like interact with kids. I didn't know if they were going to like, I, I didn't know if they were going to like me, listen to me. I didn't know if they are going to care what I had to say, but God's used that in such a powerful way. I just want to encourage you today, man, to obey whatever that thing that's in front of you, whatever God's putting on your heart, look for a way. And, and maybe it changes over time. That's okay, too. Don't be afraid to hold those things with an open hand. But just say yes. Take a step of courage and faith, because when you start taking steps, it keeps getting clearer and clearer and clearer every step of the way. God keeps bringing clarity. <sighs> Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for our church. Help make our paths clear. And if people here today need to find and follow Jesus, that would be an incredible thing to have happen. And Lord, you know those people. And so I pray they would receive you by faith. I pray you would do a work in our whole church where we could be courageous and obedient to trust you. In Jesus' name.